0: Welcome to the Ark Church Podcast. On here, you'll find all of our Sunday and Wednesday messages, as well as classes and special services. If you would like more information about the Ark Church, visit us at thearchurch.com or download our app, available to all app stores. Our heart for you is that you would live for God, grow stronger, and make a difference. Enjoy. You know, the last couple of times that I've taught you We've talked about prayer. It's one of my favorite subjects. Somebody said something to me about it being my favorite subject after, I think, the last time I taught. But tonight I'm not going to talk to you about prayer. I'm going to talk to you about another aspect, really an aspect of prayer. I'm going to talk to you about praise. The word praise. I think it's interesting that the last song that we sang tonight was, God, how great you are. And it was all about, that was a praise song. That's what that was. That was a praise song. And so, it just was a beautiful segue into what I'm going to share tonight. I'm going to use a scripture in the longest chapter in the Bible, but I promise not to read the whole chapter because it's at this verse 164, and it's not even at the end of the chapter. Psalms 119. How many of you read Psalms 119 a lot? You know, normally when we get to Psalms 119, we think, oh, brother, this is so long, but Psalms 119 is filled with wisdom. It's filled with wonderful verses. Verses like your word, O Lord, have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Or your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. All those are from that Psalm. And in Psalms 119, 164, it says this. Seven times each day, I will praise you for your righteous laws. And the next verse is a verse that I quote a lot. Uh, actually, Marilyn Hickey and I used to quote this back and forth to each other, kind of kidding around if we said something sort of snarky to each other. And it says, Great peace have they that love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. <laughs> but actually, if you look up what that means, great peace have they that love thy law, and nothing shall offend them, that the word, the Greek, it's actually the Hebrew word for... Uh, or offend is make you stumble. Nothing will make you stumble. So you could say, Lord, because I praise you seven times every day for your wonderful, wonderful law, for for just who you are, because I praise you, then I have great peace and nothing can stumble me or cause me to fall. I'll always be strong. But I want to talk to you uh, really about the power, why that's true. I want to talk to you about that little word praise. You know, I've read this verse many times, but somehow in my peanut brain, I, I thought pray seven times a day. And so I thought, boy, Lord, praying seven times a day would take a lot of time. Seven, you know, seven times a day. If you divide 24 by seven, you, you know, it's, just a, it's, a, it's a lot. And, but there are religions that do that. And they're not even praying to the real God. But seven times a day they pray. But when I looked at it, as the Lord began to minister this verse to me, maybe three weeks ago, four weeks ago, I realized it's, it didn't say pray. It said praise. It said praise. Now, praise is a, is a part of prayer, definitely. It, it, it definitely is a part of prayer. But, but it's a little different than petition. When we think about prayer, we think about petition, don't we? Let's pray about it. Let's ask God to help us. Let's ask God to show us the way. Let's ask God. That's how we think about prayer. But praise, oh, my goodness. Actually, every worship leader knows about prayer, don't they? (laughs) Justin and I were talking about this because we were were comparing notes about what we were going to share. Every worship leader knows about praise because worship is progressive. Did you know that? Had you ever noticed that when you come into church, the first song that, that we sing in just about every service is something instructional, like "Praise the Lord" or, or uh, "God is so good to me." Uh, it's usually testimony or something like or instructional. And you know why that is? Because Psalms one hundred says we enter His gates with what? Thanksgiving. Well, you know why we enter His gates with Thanksgiving? Because we're self centered. Really, I'm serious. When you come to church, you come to church to get something, don't you? You come to church because you want God to help you, don't you? You come to church because you want to get stronger so you'll be more successful, don't you? See, it's all about you. (laughs) But it's all about me too. And that's why God starts us with thanksgiving. Because when we begin to thank the Lord... Really, Thanksgiving is a celebration of what God has done for us. But then he says, he adds something to that. He said, you start with Thanksgiving. You enter my gates with Thanksgiving. But you enter my courts with what? Praise. You enter my courts with praise. Now, praise isn't about me. Praise is a celebration of God. It's a celebration of the acts of God, of the power of God. God, how great you are. Great things you have done. You're the creator. Praise the Lord, all ye people. Praise the Lord for all he's done. That's praise. Now, so what happens? When we get thankful, it begins to turn our attention away from ourselves. And then we step into praise and we begin to celebrate what God has done. And it draws us toward him. It draws us toward him. It turns our attention away from ourselves and to our God. Now, it, when Psalms 100 was written, the average person was not allowed to go into the holy place. Only the high priest could. But praise God. When Jesus died on the cross, the veil in the temple was torn from the top to the bottom. And the way was open for me to go into the holy place. And that's about worship. The, actually, the word used for worship in the New Testament means to kiss toward. It's coming into his presence and adoring him. Well, I really don't plan on teaching on worship tonight, but I just wanted to say that to you. And, um, and, and I want to talk to you about praise because I believe that there's a narrative in the old Testament that really gives us insight into how powerful praise in our life is. And we do it in the in church. We do it, you know. But, but there's a there's a purpose for praise that perhaps you haven't thought of before, and it's in Second Chronicles chapter twenty. It's a narrative that shares the power of praise. Actually, Pastor used this scripture not too terribly long ago, and I'm not going to steal his notes. It, I, I would sound good if I did, but. I'm not going to steal his notes, but I'm going to talk to you out of this chapter. My Bible has a title over this chapter, and the title over this chapter is Jehoshaphat Defeats Moab and Ammon. It's about a battle. King Jehoshaphat was told that there were three armies that had joined together, and they were coming to destroy Judah. They were coming down to attack him. And the scripture says that when he heard it, he experienced fear. Now you say, "Well, he's, he was a mighty man of God. Why would he experience fear? Well, you would experience fear too, if you were told that there were three armies outside and there were people coming come in here and kill all of us, there would be a little emotional reaction to that. And really, fear is an emotion. Fear is a negative. it's a toxic emotion. You have to listen to the podcast. Fear is a toxic emotion. So I want to start reading with 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 3. And let's see what he did. When he feared, he didn't just let fear overwhelm him. He did something. He did something that we need to do also. And it says this, And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord. Look what he, he, he let fear motivate him. Fear can motivate you. It doesn't have to be a force that destroys you. It can motivate you. And in his case, it motivated him to seek the Lord. And he proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord. And from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. So he didn't just pray himself. He called the whole nation to prayer. And they, they left their homes and they came to join him and to fast and to pray and to seek God's help. That's, that's good, isn't it? I like to pray with people, people of faith. I like to pray with our staff because they're people of faith. I like to pray with the ladies in, in the groups that I teach because they're women of faith. And we can agree together and we can see great things. Now I want you to listen to the prayer beginning in verse 6 because it's a powerful prayer. And it gives us a little pattern. This is what they said, O oh Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nation? And in your hand is there not power and might so that no one can be able to withstand you? Now, wait just a second. Now, go back and look what they did. They're really praising him with this. They're, they're, uh, they're telling God who they know him to be. He's, he's the Lord God of our fathers. And you're in heaven and you rule over all the kingdoms of the nation. And you have all power and you have all might. Listen, every time you go before the Lord, it's a good idea to remind him of who he is. He really likes to be reminded. (laughs) Yeah, we can go on. And are you not our God? Now, it's one thing to say, are you not the God of the nations? Are you not the God who created the earth? Are you not the God who... But it's a wonderful thing to say. And aren't you our God? Aren't we in covenant with you? Yes, he's our God, y'all. And you drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people, Israel, and you gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend, forever. And they dwell in it. And we built you a sanctuary. And it was built according to pattern, by the way. And we, we built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, If disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine... We will stand before this temple and in your presence for your name is in this temple. We will cry out to you in our affliction and you will hear and save. That's a pretty positive prayer, isn't it? That's a pretty positive prayer. Then he goes on from there and he reminds the Lord of what's happened. That that they're being attacked. That these people are coming against them, And he ends this, this prayer with these words in verse 12. I love these words. Oh, our God, will you not judge them, all these people that are coming against us? Now, listen to this. We have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Three statements. The first one, we have no power against this great multitude. Boy, there have been times in my life when I had no power, nor do we know what to do. And there are tons of times when I don't know what to do. But the key here is our eyes are on you. We don't know what to do. Are you here tonight and you're facing a situation that's overwhelming? It's just overwhelming. It's so overwhelming you don't know what to do about it. You really don't have the answer. But you've got your eyes on the Lord. You're believing God. Well, I think that this particular narrative will help you. You know, we don't have a problem bringing our problems to the Lord. We pray about our problems all the time, and that's, that's a good thing. You do need to pray about your problems. And we don't really have a problem confessing our inability to overcome that problem. But with with Jehoshaphat, first he reminded God of his promises. That's the first thing he did. The second thing he did was present the problem to him. These people have come against us. They're planning on killing us. But then he expressed his total dependence on God, his total dependence on God. What did God do? God answered him. God answered him through a prophet named Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, in verse 15. Let's look at verse 15. And this is what the prophet said. Listen, all you of Judah and all you inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord to you, God is speaking to you, do not be afraid or dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, go down against them. So he's telling them, go down against them. They will surely come up. Notice this. He's telling them exactly what the enemy is going to do. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz. And you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jerusalem. So he says, I want you to go down to them. This is what they're going to do. This is where they're going to be. Then listen to this. This is very unusual. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves. Stand still. And see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. Isn't that a strange thing to say? You're not going to have to fight. I want you to just stand still, and I want you to see what God is going to do. Don't be afraid, because you're not going to need to fight. Now I want to stop here for just a minute, and I want to go to another uh, scripture and I don't even know if the guys put it up there. Well, I'm sure they will in a minute. Uh, there's another scripture in the, in the Bible that says almost the exact same thing. It's another situation. It's another narrative. But it's a scripture the Lord gave to me when I was going through an absolute overwhelming time in my life. I did not know what to do. I was crying out to the Lord. My eyes are on you. I don't know what to do. And he gave me this scripture. in Exodus, He actually gave me Exodus 14, 14 which says in the King James, I will fight for you and you will hold your peace and be at rest. Wow. That's great. You know, I said, I have a, I shouldn't confess this, but it's the truth. I don't have trouble remembering verses, but sometimes I have a trouble remembering where they are. Anybody else have that problem? I can spit Bible verses at you all day long because I grew up on the word. But I, sometimes I have trouble remembering where they were. So I asked the Lord, Father, please give me a way to remember where this verse is. I never want to forget this verse. I never want to forget the address of this verse. And this is what he said to my spirit. It's in Exodus, the book of deliverance. And the scripture is speaking deliverance to you. And seven is my number for perfection and completion. This scripture is seven, 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 seven. It's fourteen, fourteen. It's It's quadruple deliverance. Wow. I've never forgotten it. And it was a long time ago when the Lord said that to me. Now, when he said it to me, I will fight for you and you will hold your peace and be at rest. I thought he meant shut up. And I did need to shut my mouth. I needed, I, you know, I was trying to work it out. I don't guess there's anybody in this room trying to work out your own problem. If you are, let me give you a scripture and you will hold your peace. <laughs> That's really what that means. Shut up. <clears throat> but it also means something else. Hold on to your peace. Hold on to your peace. Don't let fear overwhelm you. He was telling me to, to stop trying to figure it out. Stop talking about it. Get the word in my mouth rather than the problem and believe God for deliverance. And then he took me back to Exodus 14, 13. And this is what it says. Have you got it up there, guys? And Moses said to the people. Now, it wasn't a prophet. It was Moses that spoke to the people. Do not be afraid. See how similar it is? Stand still. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord which he will accomplish for you today for the Egyptians whom you see today you shall see again no more forever for the Lord will fight for you and you will hold your peace is that a wonderful verse or what that's a wonderful verse now let's just talk about it for a minute this was the the children of Israel had been slaves for 400 years i think And God had sent plagues into Egypt and they finally said, just get out, just go. They gave them money. They they left, they looted the whole place and they left. And they got as far as the Red Sea. And I imagine the question was, are we going to have to build rafts to get over this? How are we going to get over the sea? I'm sure that question was there before somebody said, hey guys, look behind us. Do you see that dust? That's Egypt. They're coming after us and they're not coming to take us back. They're coming to kill us. Wow, what a day that must have been, huh? Now, this is very similar to what was going on with Jehoshaphat. Let me give you a couple of similarities. Like Jehoshaphat, Moses and the people were being pursued by a vast army, the army of Egypt. It was behind them. And the Red Sea was before them. Like Jehoshaphat, there seemed to naturally be no way out. Actually, Israel was the the meat in the sandwich, They had the Egyptians behind them, the Red Sea before them, no way out. There was nothing they could do. The army was there. But listen to the similar instructions that I just gave you. Moses said, I don't want you to be afraid. Don't be afraid. I want you to stand still. Now, that word, stand still, doesn't mean just stop. It really means take a stand. Take a strong stand in your faith. Don't be afraid. And as I said before, fear is an emotion, but use it for you, not against you. Use it to drive you to God, to drive you into your faith, not let it drive you into a corner. Choose not to allow fear to influence your confidence in God. And stand still and see. Take a stand of faith. Ephesians says, having done all to stand, stand. Stand. Like one of those, anybody ever, I'm so old, half of you won't remember this, but uh, occasionally on TV, you'll see this, a little hula dancer stuck to a dashboard, you know, and she's dancing. Well, well, that's the way we are when we're standing in faith. We're stuck. We've taken a stand. We've got the word of God under our feet and we're stuck to the word of God. And when the enemy knocks us back, we just bounce up and keep dancing. Because we're believing God to deliver us. And he will deliver us. Then he said that wonderful thing. The same thing he said to Jehoshaphat. I will fight for you. And you will be at rest. You will hold your peace. Now when, when the Lord spoke to them. Then they couldn't see this. But God sent an angel behind them. And God caused a dark cloud to separate them from the Egyptian army. And the Egyptian army could not move. They had to just stay where they were while God opened the sea. Think about it. Think about it. God opened the sea all night long. The wind blew and the sea began to open. And Israel walked across. They walked across on dry land. Now when they got across, they turned around and the Egyptian army was coming after them right through the sea. And I imagine some of them said, oh brother, we trusted God and they're coming anyway. But about that time, the waters came over them and every person in that Egyptian army died when God said you'll see them again no more no not forever nobody ever saw them again and you know uh Miriam this isn't in my notes but Moses sister Miriam when she saw what God had done she got so excited and she got her tambourine and she started singing I will sing unto the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider thrown into the sea. The Lord's my God, my strength, my song, and he has become my victory. The Lord is God, and I will praise him. My Savior's God, and I will exalt him. She just really got carried away. And you know, when the Lord does something like that for you, you'll get carried away too. I guarantee it. As I said, he gave me this scripture and let me tell you, he delivered me. He turned my situation completely around. It, it was amazing, but I had to learn to let him fight for me and I had to learn to hold my peace. So now let's return and find out. Let's get to the end of the story. <clears throat> and King Jehoshaphat, uh, once again, what the, what the prophet told him, by the way, let me say this about prophets um, and I, and I don't want you to misunderstand me. I believe in prophets I've been ministered to by prophets, but when you have a problem, the Lord has given you two specific things to speak to you what he wants to do for you. Now he may send somebody to you to encourage you, but he really wants to speak to you through his spirit. He has put his Holy Spirit inside you and through his word. When I was in that situation, he led me to the scripture I needed to strengthen my faith to receive what he wanted to give me. And he'll do that for you, too. I once had a friend. He was an old bachelor. And uh, it was years ago. And and, uh, he didn't drive. And so when he wanted to go to church or to a revival in those days, and, and I would say, just go ahead and take Leonard. He wants to go. And so I would take Leonard. Well, Leonard's mother died. And after Leonard's mother died, he was just beside himself. He wanted a word from the Lord. He had me drive him to every revival in Houston. He was looking for a prophet to give him an encouraging word. And, and I, the, the last revival we went to was in Galveston, Texas. And, and I got a word, but he didn't. He was so mad. <laughs> but what did God want him to do? God wanted him to look to him for a word. I wasn't looking for a word. I was just driving my friend around, trying to help him. And I wasn't smart enough then to tell him what he needed to do. But God wants you to seek him. Seek his word. Now, he may send a prophet to you. I'm not saying he won't. And Lord, if you want to send a prophet to me, okay, come on. But I just wanted to say that to you because some people get so sidetracked by by that, that they miss what God wants to do for them. So, uh... So again, the prophet said to him, don't be afraid or dismayed because of this great multitude for the battle is not yours, but God's tomorrow go down against them. They will surely come up by the, by the ascent of Ziz and you will find them at the end of the brook. Once again, he told them where they, where they would find him. And then verse 17, you will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. O Judah. In Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them for the Lord is with you. Jehoshaphat believed God. And if you go on and read in that, in, in that chapter, it says, and he led the people in worship and praise. He led the people in worship and praise before the victory came, before the victory happened, while they were still surrounded by the enemy, while they still were possibly naturally, possibly facing death, they chose to praise the Lord. They raised their voices, and the Bible says loud and high, and they praised the Lord. Paul and Silas did the same thing while they were in jail. They started praising the Lord, and you know what happened? There was an earthquake. The doors of the jail opened, and they were set free. And not only that, but the Philippian jailer and his whole household got saved that night. What a wonderful thing. Praise is powerful. Praise is powerful. And then Jehoshaphat, now he's heard from the Lord. So he decides, well, if we're not going to have to fight, why send the soldiers out first? Let's send the singers. I've said in the past I wouldn't have wanted to be a singer. (laughs) But really, I I might have wanted to be a singer because they went first. So he sent them out. They sent out the singers out ahead of the army singing, and they were praising the Lord. They, They were singing, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. This reminds me of a, of a song. We had a death in our family a couple of weeks ago and en route to the funeral. We were in Arkansas. Art's little sister was in the car with us and we were discussing a really difficult time that her family had gone through in the last year. And she said, you know, Billy, while we were going through that difficult time, I found some songs that really ministered to me that helped me believe, that helped my faith. And she said one of them, and she began to sing this little song. And it's a song I knew. I knew. And it really fits right here because it speaks to what happened that day and what may be going to happen for you tomorrow. And it says, when you're up against a struggle that shatters all your dreams and your hopes Your hopes have been cruelly crushed by Satan's manifested schemes. And you feel the urge within you to submit to earthly fear. Don't let the faith you're standing in seem to disappear. But praise the Lord. He can work through those who praise him. Praise the Lord. For our God inhabits praises. Praise the Lord. And the chains that seem to bind you will fall powerless behind you when you praise him. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Don't talk about the problem. Don't let fear overwhelm you. Praise the Lord. Look what happened in verse 22. Now, when they began to sing and to praise The Lord set ambushments against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. Now listen to how they were defeated. For the people of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir to utterly kill and destroy them. They fought among themselves. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they destroyed one another. Is that weird? That's crazy. So when Judah came to a place overlooking the wilderness, they looked toward the multitude, and there were nothing but dead bodies fallen on the earth. No one had escaped. Justin and I were talking about this, and he, when he's teaching on this, he talks about them walking out of the forested area and looking down, and there they all are. Can you imagine how they must have felt? Can you imagine how they must have felt when they saw that? And, you know, the Bible says it took three days for them to gather the spoils. Three full days. And on the fourth day, they assemble to worship and praise the Lord. Another thing John Osteen used to say all the time, and it's the truth, when God delivers you, when God does something great for you, when God heals your body, when God saves your children, when God restores your marriage, don't act like nothing happened. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So, let's go back now and let me close it out to Psalms 119, 164. Seven times a day, I will praise you because of your righteous judgments. It isn't really as easy as it sounds because I began to try to do it. You say, what do you mean it wasn't easy? Well, I kept falling back into thanksgiving, falling out of praise and back into thanksgiving because my attention, I guess, was going back to myself. So I decided I'm going to find some psalms. I'm going to find some psalms that will help me. And I don't have to use the psalms. And I, and I didn't count this as number one, this is number two. I've praised him four times. I have three more times I have to praise him today. No, but every time I thought about it, I praised the Lord. And it doesn't take a long time. If you have to pray seven times a day, that may take a little while. But if you just sing a praise song. That doesn't take very long. If you just sing praise the Lord, he can work through those. That's a praise song. But I found that the Psalms, I especially love Psalms 150. And this is what it says. This is the last Psalm, by the way. So if you have trouble finding a psalm, go to psalm the last psalm, Psalm 150, because it's perfect. Praise the Lord is what it says. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding trumpet. Praise him with harping lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dance. Praise him on the stringed pipe, and instruments. Praise him with clashing cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let every thing that hath breath. Praise the Lord. I will praise the Lord. Now, that's how you do it. That's how you do it. And, and this is why you need to do it because it focuses you. It keeps you focused all day long, all day long on the Lord, keeps you focused on his greatness. And it, remember what it does, it activates God. It causes God to do crazy and wonderful things. He, you know, he, he'll cause your enemy to suddenly stop attacking you. He may not kill them, but he will make them stop attacking you. And it destroys fear and causes, it really energizes your faith. It energizes your faith. So look at Psalms 119, 165 now. So I'm going to praise him and I will have great peace and nothing will make me stumble. So praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Did that bless you? There may be somebody watching. There may be somebody in this building that you have never made Jesus the Lord of your life. The most important decision you will ever make is to make Jesus the Lord of your life. The greatest gift anybody could ever receive is the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And not only that, but he's going to give you, if you've never received him, you'll get eternal life. And you're also going to get his very own spirit to dwell within you, to lead you, to guide you, to help you. If that's you, you've never received him, or maybe you have received him, but you're away from him and you need to rededicate your life tonight. Slip your hand in the air. We're not going to ask you to come forward, but I want to pray for you. I see your hands all over the building. Let me look on this side, hold them up so I can see them. We're going to pray a simple prayer. You may not have raised your hand. You can pray this prayer anyway, and it'll work. We're going to pray a simple prayer that can change your eternity and can put you in a position of praise and power for the rest of your life. Pray after me. Dear God, I know without Jesus, I'm lost. I know I can't save myself. But Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now. I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I am a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Now, Father, I pray over every person in this room. You know where each of us is. You know what we're facing And Lord, I ask you to let praise arise. Let praise arise from the deepest part of our spirit. When we wake in the morning, let us awaken with a praise to the Lord. As we go through our day, Lord, remind us through the days of the blessing of the Lord and cause praise to come forth. Just cause us to surround ourselves with praise and thanksgiving. And I thank you, Lord, for miracles. Miracle deliverances, miracle situations that will reverse the curse in the lives of the people. Thank you, Lord, for healing. Thank you, Lord, for all you're doing right now, your wonderful works. Oh, we praise you. You are God. There is none like you. And we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.